welcome to another episode of the Blank Project Podcast, where we fill in the blank with whatever you want, whatever you need, wherever you are, no judgment or expectations. I'm your host, Aspen, aka AG, because it makes me feel cooler. And I am so excited <laughs> for today's guest. Um, there's a narrative that you can only be one thing in this world, but what would it look like to go from a nine to five to designing? Don't ask me because I don't know, but Jordan Lewis does. An, an alum of Rice University with a Bachelor's of Business in English, she is currently pursuing her associates in fashion design and holds the award above and beyond from her job at the Translational Research Institute for Space Health. Yes, this means that she is quite literally out of this world. <laughs> Get it? Because like space and NASA, I'm crazy. <laughs> However, her accolades don't stop there. She is also the owner and creative brains behind J. Alexandra Designs, a brand that focuses on expressing yourself through fashion without compromising the environment and has been featured in Houston Voyage. She educates people on fast fashion versus staple pieces and explains the science of picking clothes that flatter your individual body type to achieve your vision. Everyone deserves to look and feel good. And without further ado, we're so happy to have you, Jordan. Hey. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited to speak with you because um, I think your evolution into the fashion space has been really cool. And especially nowadays, we're kind of seeing the these stories of people honing in all aspects of who they are as mm -hmm. people and not feeling like they have to sacrifice one for the other. Yeah. So before we get a little bit into that, I would like to know when was the first time you fell in love with fashion? Like what was that piece you put on and you were like, okay, wait, this is it. I am it. It, it is it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I always, I've, lately I've been telling the story a lot of like this time when I was seven um, I just remember like being in Foley's at the time with my mom. Wow, Foley's. Yeah, when it was Foley's, right? <laughs> I said Macy's in another interview, but I was like, oh no, it was it actually Foley's at the it time, was <laughs> which was better. But <laughs> it was great. But um, oh no, my mom corrected me. Actually, it was Lord and Taylor, but whatever. Another obsolete, I mean, no longer existing brand. I don't think Lord and Taylor's a thing anymore. No, but unless they're not in Texas, but um, we were in the store and. I, it was must have been winter time. There was a dress in there. It was a black, like uh, kind of like a tunic cut dress, and it was um, it had like some color blocking panels at the bottom. I loved that dress so much. I remember it vividly. It was like a formal dress, and my mom didn't like me to wear black that much when I was a kid. Like she thought it was that immature. Is the queen. That's the one thing all black parents can agree on. No, it's. I think it's a southern thing. It's, I think it's maybe it is a southern thing. thing. Like if you wear a little black dress, that means you grow right. <laughs> A red lip? Oh, no. Blasphemous. Not the red nails either. No. <laughs> but this one was, and so I was surprised. Like, she liked it. I liked it. But it had, like, a little lavender. It must have been, like, some kind of satin. It was, like, all black satin with, like, lavender and white paneling at the bottom. And I just loved it so much. But there was also, my mom informs me, it was the coat, actually. Because I wanted her to get, it was a beautiful black, like, pea coat that I wanted, too. Yes. And so... We were at the counter and she was like, oh, we're just going to get the dress. And I just like I was a really like, you know, quiet kid. I was never like a tantrum child or nothing like that. So like I just remember just crying. Like I just started crying, like not even like like loudly, just silent little tears. And like my mom, she like looked behind, you know, she's checking out. And then she looked behind me and saw that I was like, behind her and she saw I was crying. She's like, oh, Lord, let me get the coat too. <laughs> she, she embarrassed me. Yeah. Like, bring it up. You know? And it was like, and it wasn't even like, I wasn't trying to be a brat. I wasn't even trying to be like, you know, it was just, I was crying. So I was like, dang, like, I, I came, I really I not going to have this. Thing. I love like, them it, both. It, and I can't feel some type of Yes. Way. It was an emotional response. Like I wanted them both. And I just saw them on me. Like I saw them as parts of my closet. And I was like, dang, how could I go on without this? Like, and so I think that's, that's the most vivid memory I have of being like, dang, I really started crying over a coat. <laughs> but I was really, I was for real. 
Not you. That's funny. I wouldn't say that, like, when you were telling your story, like, that story particularly, <laughs> you just lit up. Like, it's like you, I really saw you see that dress all over again. And it's just. It was a good day. It makes complete <laughs> sense that you would be in this space. So, um, when we were first kind of introduced, when I was first kind of introduced to you as a designer, you started off, like, designing and selling these bathing suits. And then also like making adjustments to your own clothes. So adding patches, cutting here, doing this. And you would occasionally um, post it on your social media. And I was like, oh, dang, that's cool. Or like one day you were like, I taught myself how to braid my hair or something else or another with your hair. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know for a fact I can never do that. I, <laughs> I was doing a lot back then. I run the campaign of outsource. I do not. I'd be like, no, I'm that. not going to learn how to braid. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. Oh, I feel it. That's how I feel now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably because you're out here designing clothes. Like, you went from doing bathing suits to, like, doing full-blown, like, little big pieces, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, then you, you put a name on it. So what yeah. was kind of like that moment where you decided, like, I want this to be bigger than, like, a fun hobby or a project? Like, I just don't want to, like, make a couple of swimsuits for my friends or... Yeah remix my own clothes but I really want to see how far I can go with this yeah I think so for me it was like you said it was like I was always kind of creatively inclined like I love the idea of bringing my own vision to life and really it started with the clothes like doing the tailoring and stuff because it it doesn't sound like it's bringing your own vision to life the way making a whole piece is but that's how I perceived it because like I have these memories of me shopping with my mom. Like, that was a thing we did all the time when I was younger. Like, and, like, finding these really, like, the quality pieces that are, um, that just fit me well. And that, like, they were made of weighty, substantial fabrics. And, like, it just hangs differently than a lot of the stuff you see now. And so, like, for me, it was once I was, you know, became of, like, purchasing age, right, of making, <laughs> buying my own, my own right. closet pieces, it was, like, this is the material, this is the kind of quality I'm looking for in clothes that I just don't see anymore. Right. So it was like, I can't find it or I can't, you know, when I first started really getting into it, it was college. So it's like, yeah. of course, I'm a broke college student. I don't have a budget that would a probably lot from allow you to just, right. you know, flex on it real quick. Right. Like that's, and that's where it is now. I think there's just such a big difference now in like what is called, considered to be like bargain affordable clothing versus like luxury clothing than there yes. was when we were younger. Like right. it wasn't a big jump. I yeah. mean, it wasn't as huge of a jump because there weren't so many players in the market in that in between. And, and so, and then also like, I don't know if everybody got outlets, but Texas has real outlets. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. even then, like I remember we would go there every year yeah, and then get all of our clothes there. And it would be like real fancy neighbors. Like to yeah, this day, I, have a, I still have my Van Hoosen shirt that mm-hmm. my mom bought me. <laughs> Like when I was like a sophomore in high school, mm, yeah, you know, yeah. and so I like still like I remember that, but I also remember going one year and then the prices being different and my mom being like, mm, "This don't make no sense." Yeah, and then I could tell from there we have more of these um, brands that are kind of occupying that space. That you're right. Talking about. Yeah, because even with the outlets, like yeah, we used to go to outlets all the time, and even with that, it's like the quality just isn't the same. Like there, and now I know for a fact that there are actual like those kind of brand name or luxury stores that have outlets and discount stores, they make, they sometimes make different, I mean, we, you know, there was always like the suspicion that, oh, these must be the regulars or whatever. Yes. But now like it's, they make different quality products to put in the discount stores. And so like a Tory Burch outlet doesn't always look like the actual Tory Burch store, like the just the. It material. doesn't. I've actually been tell. in a Tory Burch store, and I've right. touched it like in the standalone kind of deal versus the outlet or whatever, or even like Michael Kors, because the Michael yeah. Kors perfect exactly. example of the Michael Kors that you were seeing when you go into Macy's is not. It's not the, the Michael Kors. Whenever Nicki Minaj be rapping on it, <laughs> <laughs> that is it's not, not the, the same Michael. Mind. One is Mike, the other one is Mike. <laughs> exactly. And so, like, but, yeah, so that's all, like, all of this happening kind of, it just, it made it to where I was like, okay, this is not, I was, I was just starting to not see things that I even wanted. Going into the stores I was used to going into, like, this is not something I want to put on my body. This is not, and 
I mean, this is not something that even if I try it on, like it looks a little weird. It always looks wonky. It always looks like it doesn't lay the way I'm expecting it to. So anyway, so that was a big part of me, like wanting to learn to sew because I realized, okay, if I want my garments to fit the way I want them to fit, I have to take ownership over that. And so, and obviously with fashion, it was something I cared enough about to really be serious about that. So it was like, I remember wanting to figure out how to sew and I was like, I got to find a sewing machine. Again, broke college student. I was like, I've never sewed anything. I don't know if I'm prepared to spend $200 on a machine, right. but I need to learn how to sew. Like, I need to figure this out and we'll go from there. So it's like I borrowed um, a, one of the church members. Like, she was nice enough to let me borrow a whole sewing machine. And like, I learned on that. I labeled all the parts on it and was like, I'm going to figure this out because I want my clothes to look the way I want it to. So then from there... Like, that's how it started for me. And so I I was like, I don't know if I'll ever do anything else with it. But then it was like, I don't know. Like, it really just kind of transpired because then I made a bikini for a friend, actually. And she was just, like, so in love with it. Like, she was, you know, so supportive and so, like, this is great. Oh, my God, I love this. And, you know, and she could see, like, how much I cared about making clothes and not just making something just to make it, but making it, trying to keep people in mind. Like this is like, for me, clothes are not just clothes. It's not just even art or a product. It's, it is something you wear. You are going to put it on somebody's body. So it's never flat. It's never intended to be flat on a, on, in my closet hanging up. It's never supposed to be flat on the surface. It's supposed to be on a body. So like, how do I make this something that somebody wants to wear in their life? Like you're going to step outside with my clothes on. Yeah. So, um, and I just felt like I had something to offer there um, that, again, I don't see as much out in the market. So, so yeah, from there, I just kind of went with it and decided to see if people would like my stuff. And it's been a really, it's been an amazing, <laughs> an amazing journey. Oh, man. So you have this place where you're able to express yourself creatively and really be in your bag. And you're, it's something you're actually passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then you have your job. And I mean, it's Trish, it's NASA, it's, Mm -hmm. we put people in the sky, it's (laughs) like Taraji P, like, this is what we're doing, this is a big (laughs) deal, like, we're really out here. Mm -hmm. So how are you able to make time for your nine to five and then also designing and things like that? Are you making time? It's okay if you're not, this is a safe space. No, it's really been, t- it's it's been a tough, a tough juggle. And I mean, you know, obviously I live it every single day. Every morning I wake up and it's like, okay. But I think what helps is like, I had to find meaning in my job, you know? And for me with COVID, honestly, the hardest part, like I, I do like my job a lot and I love my team. Um, the work that I do is really meaningful. And when I was in the office every day, I think I got a lot of pleasure from being around people. Mm -hmm. And so when that stopped, it changed a lot for me because I started realizing like, dang, there's a lot of aspects of this job that I don't love, that I'm not passionate about because I now no longer have people around to make it worthwhile for me, you know, to make it entertaining. Because like I said, I had a great team and I enjoyed being around them and working collaboratively with them because I'm a coordinator. So like a lot of, and we're a small institute. So like a lot of what I do, um, just involves a lot of my other team members. So it's always like meetings and, you know, emails and, you know, basic office stuff, but a lot of meetings, a lot of like us working together on every project. So when that went away, it was really hard for me to be as motivated with my job. And so I've, you know, and it's something I've struggled with. I've been candid about it with my leadership and like, we're working through it together. And I'm finally like, in the last several months, kind of back in the place of like, okay, like I'm the diversity program lead there. So like, I, I find a lot of meaning um, with that, like in terms of something that resonates with um, something I'm passionate about outside of fashion, right? Cause like as a black woman, like I'm really passionate about figuring out how to bring underrepresented people into whatever fold it is that I'm in. You know, right. with fashion, it's a given because I'm a black woman in fashion. So right. it's like, I don't got to do nothing and I'm still a black designer. Like, you know, <laughs> but with space, it's like, I'm not representing black researchers or women researchers because I'm not one. Yeah. But I want to make sure that anybody I know or anybody that wants, like, 
wants an opportunity like this who traditionally wouldn't know about it or right. wouldn't even conceive of something like this, but would actually find their passion in this, I want them to be able to do that, you know, because right. we need more diversity everywhere. Right. So, um, so yeah, the diversity program has, it makes it, you know, it gives me that motivation and like working from home also now is like, there's a silver lining of like, I don't have to drive an hour and uh, well, two hours there and back to the work, uh, to the office every day anymore, yeah. which, you know, boils down to just more time spent on my fashion career. So, um, and my leadership and my team are really supportive. They know like that I dream of being a fashion designer, you know, right. so they're really supportive in that regard. And so it, it makes, it, it helps. I'm really blessed to have this kind of dynamic, even though I still have to work a nine to five right, right. now. And I just, I enjoy the fact that you're nine to five and how you navigate being a part of the fashion industry is all the same, which is providing people the opportunity to see beyond what they thought they could yeah and like, i love it, that you can see that i love <laughs> that that is like evident you know yeah, i see it you know <laughs> and maybe it's i'm a little bit more introverted and i just be looking at people longer <laughs> but it's there and it's evident oh and God. all of that and so like yes you have your nine nine to five now let's transition to your brand jay alexander it focuses on encouraging and creating sustainably conscious clothes so um i would like to know what technically kind of sort of more or less is the definite definition of sustainable clothing okay so that's loaded (laughs) Um, put me on game yeah i think if you ask different designers they're going to tell you different things so um, I would say the definition of sustainable clothing is like clothing that is conscious of um, environmental um, of the environmental impact it has on the creation um, manufacturing process and works to be as res- uh, environmentally responsible as possible. That is the very broad definition I would give for that. Yeah. So if somebody <laughs> threw it away, is it easily decomposition? Is it decompositional? I think so. Yeah. so there's like a bunch of different ways within that to think about it I guess like I read a book actually by Elizabeth Klein it's called The Conscious Closet and I think that was really helpful for me in thinking about sustainability because I mean fashion is an extremely wasteful industry like every I mean I don't think anybody in the fashion industry is going to argue that because you can't it's I think it's like the second most wasteful or third industry in the world or something, you know? So it's, I mean, it's extremely wasteful. I mean, you got samples, you got, you know, like you have to literally create samples and products that have to, that are wasted, you know? And there's, and right now, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, like right now there's so many more clothes in the world than there are even people to wear them. Like, even if I think uh, one of the studies shows that it's like, if, we have so as enough clothes right now for everybody to have like an insane amount of pieces in their wardrobe just if we were like to evenly distribute them right which yeah we don't so <laughs> um so it's just i mean it's crazy and so like you know you think about that as a designer and somebody who cares about the planet they live on and it's like okay why am i even in this industry like is it even necessary but it's like obviously we're going to keep wearing clothes like, right that's the easy argument to give but I mean, there's just levels to it. So it's like every piece, there are some brands that are very, like, very, very committed to that. And I think if you're a brand that is committed to sustainability and environmentally conscious practices, um, like, at your core, like, if you start your brand as an environmentalist, yeah. almost, like, you clearly have different goals than if you start your brand, like me, like, as an artist, like, right. as somebody who's trying to create and express my creativity. And more than anything... Um, express myself through clothing. Right. So it's like, you know, I have different constraints. Like, I, there are brands that only use certain types of fabrics. Like, to your point, like, if I waste this, it's biodegradable. It's okay, you know? Yeah. There are brands like that. And there's obviously a different mission there. And they're highly sustainable. But um, there are also, for most other brands, especially like high fashion or luxury, for people, you know, catering towards like an artistic um, goal, 
like you have to figure out what the balance, right? So it's like for me personally, my sustainability is about like one of the things I have done um, up to now and I hope to be able to continue as much as possible is making my clothes to order. Yeah. Because that's a huge thing for me. Like as a small business, like I can't afford huge quantities that are going to be wasted. But I also don't want that. Like, yeah, I truly don't. I, I can't comprehend the idea of like, okay, I'm going to make 500 quantity of random piece of fabric. I mean, piece of whatever, and then hope to just sell it, you know, right. and try to force people to buy something like my brand to me is about like, this is something that you want. If you want it, great. I'll make it or I'll have my manufacturer make it because this is a special piece that I took time to design and create. Um, I don't want it to be wasted. You know, it's not just a product that I'm trying to sell for business. Um, But also then too, like a big part of it for me is making clothes using materials that are at least more polite. Yeah. More polite. More polite on the earth. Right. They're at least like why they're damaging. They'll be like, oh, Excuse me. I just, need to, I just need to bust I'm right so here. Sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt. No, but I mean, and really though, because it's like I always talk about using a lot of natural fibers. Like I love denim. I love silks. And I, I mean, you know, things that those natural fibers, they just hang really well. They feel really nice a lot of the time. Um, but the truth is like we all, everybody has polyester in their closet. Like it's the most manufactured fabric we have right now. So it's like, and it's necessary. Like, right. These pants I'm wearing got polyester and I'm pretty sure this sweater does too. Like, it's necessary, you know? Like, um, and not just polyester, a range of other synthetics. So it's like, and that goes into the design process, right? Like, I can't just make bamboo cotton fa- uh, clothing. I can't. Yeah. Jay Alexander Designs can't because that is not what my brand is about. Like, that's, right. that's not my brand. So if I was to constrain myself that way to be the most sustainable um, economically or uh, environmentally responsible brand I could be, that wouldn't be my vision. Right. So having to come to terms with that, like, okay, well, what can I do? You know? Um, and like dying processes can be very harmful too. So it's just, and I, it's a still a learning process, obviously. I'm a very new brand. So like, I'm always trying to figure out, educate myself on like, okay, what makes sense? And a lot of other brands are coming out with new types of materials that mimic other materials, but are supposed to be less wasteful. So it's, sustainability is a it's it's there's a lot of things that go into it so i think just you know being more conscious of what you're wearing is a really big step and i think that's kind of the starting point for all of us like what are you wearing what are you buying like are you really buying stuff that you're wearing yeah because most of us aren't or most american women like a lot of us aren't like we're buying we most of us have closets and like two-thirds of our closets we don't even wear true so this is this is very true this is when i i learned i found that out a couple years ago when I accidentally stumbled across um, this minimalist couple and they were just that that was the first time that I had heard um, like capsule closet mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. or like having a lot of statement pieces and mm-hmm. stuff like that and I tried to slowly get there but obviously when I'm being introduced to this world I'm also a college student mm-hmm. so building a capsule closet doesn't look the same for a high quality sweater versus the five dollar sweater. Right. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, these places that we were shopping at. Right. We're like 18, 19 and thinking we're grown Mm -hmm. because we're in school. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of like one of those things. And um, also, I think it's really cool how your brand has transitioned, not just like bikinis to like full blown outfits mm-hmm. but also morphing into uh, this type of sustainable this world of sustainability but also understanding and appreciating the fact that it doesn't look have to look like what everybody else is doing right because- and i think there isn't a, a blueprint really like like what i've gathered from webinars and things that i attend you know conferences whatever is that everybody is approaching it differently right and that is comforting for me but like you know, we're largely e-commerce now. Fashion, you know, at large is there's every brand pretty much has some kind of online presence. Right. So like, what does that look like for me? Like I think about packaging, you know, Mm -hmm. that's one huge part of the waste that fashion produces. So it's like, it doesn't even have to be necessarily just the clothes. Like, okay, I want 
my packaging to be out of recycled materials. Right. I want to make sure that I don't use a whole bunch of extra material to package things, even though so it looks pretty, right? Yeah. But that's a huge marketing thing. So it's like you know, there's there's um, there's sacrifices you have to make, and you know, figure out what works for your brand. And um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely still trying to figure that out for me. You're not only just designing, but you're like styling and helping to shop for other people, and like having that little piece there. And so what's been one of the biggest lessons that you've learned from the clients you've worked with? Ooh, that's a good one. I wasn't prepared for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but that's good. What is the biggest lesson I've learned? You guys have taught me multiple things. I would say, so one thing is just around the board, not even just styling people, but just talking to people about fashion. It's always so insightful for me to hear... um, particularly from other women, right? what what their consumer purchasing patterns consist of. Like, what influences their purchasing decisions? Because, like, we all know, obviously, price, huge factor. And then, like, from there, it's like, okay, what am I looking for, right? Like, if you're right. looking for a certain event dress, you know, you may be looking for a certain color, a certain cut, or, like, a certain price point, a certain fabric even, you know? Um, but... It's just really interesting to me to see like how much my own consumer behavior differs from a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. But it's always like that's insightful, right? Because like I I don't know. Sometimes I ask myself like, did I create this brand to serve women like me, right? Right. And I don't. I still am like I haven't met that many of those. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like I don't. I can't. If that's the case, then I might be in trouble because right? I don't know if that market exists. And that's okay though, because it's like. Obviously, like, you know, people have purchased my products and it's like, we're all, they're all different types of people. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting for me to talk to people that I style or that I just interact with and kind of get a feel for like, okay, what do you look for really when you're, you know, outside of price? Like, what are you looking for? Is it the comfort? Like, are you looking to express yourself or is shopping a pain for you? And you really just want the closest thing that's to, to the thing that's closest to the things that you already own. Right. In your new size or in your new whatever, maybe a slight tweak, whatever. Like, or are you looking to, are you a trendsetter? Like, are you looking to follow trends? Are you looking to, and all the people that I've um, sold to style, like that I've done customs for, all of them are pretty different. Like, and so it's it's interesting just understanding what is my target audience, like, or my target market. Because I think with women clothing, it's often not just one type of person. Mm-hmm. You know, they people in business always describe your target uh, your target market as like a as like a one person, mm-hmm. and I just I'm finding that that may not be the case for me. So it's it's always just interesting to see how people think about clothes and how my brand can play into that. Um, I know that like you've had a three or four like small collections or whatever, and I believe that they all tailor towards. A different type of audience which is why I'm, when you were saying like oh I don't know if I'm reaching everybody blah, 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 yada, 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 or I'm reaching who I'm supposed to reach because you know the bikinis are for those that are really comfortable in that space yeah and then you have your velour suits which are you know classic yeah and then also then you have your denim collection which I've identified with the most <laughs> because I'm a yeah. huge fan of denim Same. I am a very just very just I love denim so much and as I as I get older um I realize that denim fits differently on me versus when I was younger and I'm like what in the world like all I had to do was get older to love denim even more and then (laughs) even like the boy shorts that you had I was like oh yeah I like those too Mm -hmm. um but it's like I'm like obviously my style of clothing is gonna lean more towards towards like a conservative perspective but also like i'm i experiment less with different shapes along my body and more so with different prints so like i like you know really interesting prints mm-hmm. prints there i i love uh, print mixing mm-hmm. and colors with prints and things like that or i'm starting to realize that these are things that are catching my eye right so i'm like oh okay yeah that's yeah what that is. Like, blah 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 yeah 
<laughs> and it's exciting when you kind of identify that within yourself because then you're like, okay, I think it helps you to really be intentional about the way you shop because it's like, all right, do I like this because it is very close to what I have? Right. And does that mean that I need another one? Right. Or, you know, you kind of can see where the boundaries are. Like, all right, I'm willing to venture out a little bit because this is a, a shape I'm comfortable with, right. but I don't have this color. <laughs> right, right. I don't have this print. <laughs> yeah, or it's like, I'm used to wearing really dark colors. And so now I'm starting to buy clothes that are different colors or the, the material's a little different. So mm-hmm. it's more like, yeah, you know, like if I, have, I buy a cute silk camisole mm-hmm. and then, I put that against denim, it's going to be different from one that doesn't have that extra shine mm-hmm. and I pair it with a pair of faux leather pants, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like doing that because you're teaching, okay. you've been teaching me. Thank so you. I've, been, I've been learning, you know, I'm about so those different things. I like feel so smart when Aww. I go in the stores or like when I start to envision outfits or whatever, I'm mm-hmm. like, you when you were talking about different lines and like how they would look on your body or even how your pants fit. Like, yeah, yeah. What does it really mean for you to want wide leg pants? Right. But you also got hips. Oh, so you don't want to look like a rectangle. What are you talking? Oh my God. I really take it in. I'm like, I really don't want to look like a rectangle. But I really love these. <laughs> I really love the style of a wide leg pant. And yeah. I just like, how how can I feel confident in what I'm wearing? I can mm-hmm. get what I want. But also, I don't have to look frumpy at the same time. Right, because yeah. a good majority of my time, I'm going to look frumpy anyway. Mm-hmm. Because either <laughs> I don't care because I'm dealing with kids. I'm like the bare minimum professional. <laughs> or I'm working with athletes. Mm-hmm. At least do not care how you come as long as you come dressed. True. So, <laughs> like, I'm just like these are like the few moments that I have to really experiment with different things. I right. like to really lean into that because I think it's so fun. Yeah, and I think like to that point too, um, a big part of me and like my brand is and how I think about clothing and making clothes for other people is like most people aren't willing to deviate too much from their comfort, you know, from mm-hmm. their comfort zone. And so, like, unless you're a trendsetter, fashionista, whatever, like, you probably kind of stay within a comfort realm. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know, like, I, you know, you see makeover shows. Like, one thing I think about a lot is, like, makeover shows or, like, segments on talk shows where they do makeovers, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, they'll, it's like this lady dressed very, like, frumpily. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, look, she's glammed up and she's got on a completely different, very form-fitting outfit. And it probably looks great on her. But I always wonder, like, now did she go right back to doing what she was doing before after this? Because <laughs> she really didn't feel comfortable in that form-fitting outfit in the first place. She right. was just shocked. I wonder, yeah, like, cause she, I'm sure she looked great. But I wonder, like, do, are you guys, are, are they teaching them, like, ways to identify what is comfortable? Because, yeah, we're not, none of us are, most of us are not walking out, you know, glammed up every single day. And so it's like, you kind of have to know where your comfort areas lie. And then you can kind of work within that, you know, yeah. like. And I think that's what self-expression is about. It's not about me like popping out looking wild every day in a new completely like bam outfit. Because yeah, I'm not really a super like I'm a pretty conservative dresser. Like I think I find my details in uh, and when I'm making clothes too. Like my details come a lot in the lines and the color. Yeah, like yeah. I love like contrasting colors. I love really clean lines, nice shape. Like I like a fitted shape. You know, like that just is very tailored to my body. Like one of the biggest compliments to me is when someone's like, oh, did you make that? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I can tell because it fits you perfectly. And I'm like, yes, like that is it. That's what I need, you know? (laughs) It's like, it should look like it was made for me. It doesn't have to be necessarily like just a tension, like, you know, like just bam. Like it doesn't have to be bright green and striped or whatever, but. Right, or full net. Right, yeah, <laughs> or even bodycon, like you know, like that's not always the vibe. So it's just, it just, you know. Here we go, controversy. Oh, oh no. So here now we're kind of moving into a lot of the trends that are happening. I'm talking to you, fishnet. I'm talking to you, bodycon. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, biker shorts <laughs> with these huge chunky sneakers. They grew on me. I was really against biker shorts. What? But I was like, you know what? These girls are styling them. I'm yeah, like, but then say. they put it on and they think. They're Princess Diana. Like everybody thinks that they're Princess Diana. Everybody. I still go for it. You know, whatever everybody. Your style is. And for me, I think it's like if I ever 
did that. And then, you know, you got to have like a semi baggy. Obviously, I would have a baggy shirt. Usually, mm-hmm. all of my shirts are baggy. Exactly. So you have the frame for that. Yeah. You got to have the hips. You got to have a slightly loose shirt. You have to. It's it, cute. But also, like, it's for like tomboy, but super like feminine. Oh, thank you. Because you can see the shape. I, this, I am still trying to like, I don't feel like I'm achieving that well, but also I'm not putting myself out there to buy the biker biker shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Try the biker shorts. Try the biker shorts with the ones. Perfect. And the vintage t-shirt, bam, there you go. Ooh, and the what? Mid-rise Nike socks. There you go. That's it. That sounds like calculus. Not doing it. Appreciate, (laughs) appreciate you. (laughs) Because I can't. I'm like. It's okay. It's fading out anyway. The ones or the bike was The whole striking. look. The whole look. It's okay. We'll find a new trend. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure I'll be behind on that too. But I'll be here supporting all everybody else. <laughs> so what's, what's one unpopular opinion or critique of the fashion world that you have right now? Ooh, unpopular opinion. I think it's really my hate for fast fashion. That's probably, I mean, that's the easiest but most obvious answer. <laughs> That's what it is. It's funny because, yeah, like all my friends, like, obviously still buy fast fashion clothing. And then, like, one of my friends in particular loves to, Kirkland, she, like, loves to be like, oh, we don't do Fashion Nova. No, we, no. And I'm like, girl, you're wearing your Fashion Nova jeans right now. <laughs> and it's okay. Like, it's okay. Like, There's no problem with it. It's okay. I understand. Right. It's just that, you know, I mean, I just... I dislike fast fashion for a variety of reasons, mainly. Well, actually, yeah, every reason. <laughs> I mean, every reason, name a few. <laughs> it's really just like the clothes are cheap. They steal from smaller designers and it's environmentally terrible. So, I mean, right, it's just hard to love them <laughs> from right. a design perspective. But, you know, I mean, I definitely understand the reason why they exist, though. Right. And so it's it, like... It's, it's everybody can't afford to have those staple pieces or anything right. like that. So exactly. it's kind of like, exactly. what can you do when you don't have access to those things? Well, you go to the thing that's the most accessible. And right. then everybody on Instagram looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's like, and of course, like, we've all bought fast fashion oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. I still... Um, I have fast fashion stuff in my closet still, but it's like, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense to throw it away. Like, right. if I like it, you know, or if I liked, like something about it, you know, right. but um, yeah, it's just, I just, I really hate the the fact that it, they're ubiquitous and they are so necessary. Like, right. You know, I really also dislike the fact that it, I think is just cheapening the industry in general, like at large, like it makes it hard for designers like me to want to come out with creative new designs because they're so easily and so quickly ripped off because you have these huge mammoth organizations, right? Like that are quick, like overnight can rip you off. You know, right. like I've seen they that already like, when they do the, like, um, uh, find a dupe or like the same outfit and it'll be like a $3,000 jacket you can get for like one fifty, yeah, or something like that. And those are like, the I feel like those are the nicer ones. Mm-hmm. versus when you go to the big name that look like black women that are not quite black women. <laughs> <laughs> no facts. And it's like, but it's understandable though. And as like, from a consumer perspective, it's like those people, like if you can't afford to buy a staple piece or not even a staple, if you can't afford to buy luxury or high fashion, like does that mean you don't deserve to keep up with trends? No, you know, yeah. like, so it's like they serve a purpose. It's just it's just really tricky. And I think I came into this industry with the understanding of like, you have to be willing to get ripped off as a creative. Like, you know, as an artist, like that's just kind of what comes with the territory. Yeah. And it's not even like fast fashion is not fast fashion brands are not the first people to start to rip people off. Like, right. You know, knockoffs were a thing before fast fashion started. Right. So like I do wanna be clear about that. Like I think a lot of people are like just outraged by fast fashion. In a and way it's that's like, like you were not outraged when your mama came <laughs> to the church parking lot and her, her fake duty work. Like, like, you were not upset. Okay because it's like, and it makes sense, right? Because like the ideal is like, okay, the consumer who is couldn't afford to spend $3,000 on a bag, who cares enough to want it to be authentic, will right. pay. Now, if you, if both of those things are not true, if I can afford it, but I really don't care and I'd rather save my money, I'm about to fake, you know? Yeah. But it's like, 
you know, so it, there's definitely a market for it. It just is like so many other, so many things with it that I just. It just makes you feel some type of way. Yeah. So I just try not to think about it. <laughs> okay. Well, don't think about it with me. Um, what is your favorite piece of fabric to work with? Denim. Denim probably is my favorite. Yeah. Why is denim your favorite? Denim's tricky. I mean, it's not great for my little home sewing machine. That's uh, I love. I love sewing denim, like real, like denim on uh, an industrial machine. I just love <laughs> denim. Like I just love it. I love the way it makes me feel. It's classically American. Like this is one of the best things that's come out of American invention. I think like, <laughs> denim. Like you got the. You can see the woven nature, like the blue yeah. and the white, and then you can fray it. Oh my god! And then you can like. And no you know, two denims are ever the same. Even if they're like the same brand, you can look at the five, same slim cut Levi's and they don't have the same white to blue. <laughs> and it's really, it's crazy how hard it is for something that is so everywhere. Like yeah. I've worked with denim and it's crazy how hard it is to find denims that match. Cause you think like when you go to the thrift store, what do you see? Like, you know you're going to find some jeans. Like, if you're right. looking for some jeans, if you're just looking for denim, they, they've got tons it's of there. that. And so I thought that was a great, when I did the denim collection earlier this year, I thought it was a great uh, fabric to work with because I was like, this I is can, how I can, can find be sustainable. denim anywhere. It's yeah. got to be right there at my feet. Yes. And I was like, this is something I don't have to buy off the bolt, right? So yeah. that was me trying. I was like, I can be sustainable. I can make some really cool denim pieces, like with upcycled, you know, basically upcycling it because I don't have to buy fresh denim. So I'm repurposing denim that nobody wants. Right. And it's really difficult to find. I mean, it, it's it's just hard to like, uh, to make the matchup, to make sure like, Okay, the grains kind of line up similarly and the colors complement each other. Like, because I like, again, like I'd like to do a lot of contrasting colors, especially with denim, just because I, uh, I just love it. Yeah. So, but it's like this one has like more of a, a kind of dirty denim wash. This one is more of a true indigo hue. This one is more of a light wash, kind of looks like it was acid wash, bleached wash, something like that, you know? And like it makes a difference. And like even the grains, like you can tell, like, like how how big it is, you know, like how or like sometimes it's like kind of almost whaled like corduroy, but like, yeah, you know, just different things that make difference, especially like when you go to a thrift store because right. they have clothes from decades. Right. Yeah. So it's like different styles, uh, different cuts even. But I just I love working with it just because I don't know, like like you said, like denim, I, I guess it's all about a lot of it is about fit. You know, yeah. a great denim piece is about it fitting well. And so, but it's it's cotton, you know, like mostly, you know, you can add a little stretch to it if you need for the hips, whatever. But, um, <laughs> but you're and, looking at me while you said it <laughs> for the hips. And it's, and it's great though. It's like, it, it can do whatever you want it to do. It can literally be made in every kind of piece. Like, you know, yeah. usually with fashion, you have your heavyweights and your, um, your, your bottom weights and your uh, top weights. So you kind of have to make concessions. With denim, you can make anything out of denim. And can. It's great. Is that the reason why a lot of your pieces in your denim collection were like patchwork? Yeah. Because you couldn't. <laughs> oh, no. That was, well, that was a design. Or a, that's a design preference. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. thinking, I was like, while you were talking about not finding the same denim, I'm like, is that why they look like that? I love them regardless. <laughs> but if that was what it was. It was definitely supposed to be like a yeah patchwork theme, but it was it was hard finding them to where they matched up like and looked enough like, to look nice. Yeah, to where they look like they go together. That's what was really tricky because I was like, oh, this will be easy. I can just light denim, dark denim. Then I was looking, I was like, dang, you can tell these denims do not go together. Like, <laughs> so that was tricky. What's your okay? Denim's your favorite. What's your least favorite? Um, so far, least favorite. Ooh, ooh, hold on. Memories of being frustrated are coming to mind. <laughs> what was I frustrated working with? Why well, have one enemy when you can have seven? <laughs> I think I mean sequin fabric. Like I, you know, I I love some shine and some shimmer, but I think working with sequin fabric or sequin mesh is just a nightmare. Why? I mean, for all, it, it literally, it feels like plastic and it like, it goes through like plastic on the machine and it's like just this, eh, it's just, eh. You literally look 
physically stressed <laughs> just about thinking about there's no sequence readily available <laughs> here and yet and still you're like I can't believe I even allowed the word sequence to enter my because <laughs> they're beautiful you're like oh a sequin like I did a sequin look for my birthday and I'm like oh yeah and then I was like right I forgot how much this is a struggle so I think that's one that's one fabric that I love the way it looks on right you now but it's just not fun to work with do you think you do a a, a sequence collection oh no no <laughs> Not unless I was paying other people a hefty amount of money to manufacture it. Just because it's bad. What makes it? Okay. You you said the, okay, it feels like plastic. When it goes to the machine, it's kind of like plastic. For those of us that don't know anything about okay. what you're talking about. Yes. Kind of explain this. Okay. So I'm thinking like plastic. I'm thinking plastic bottle. Yeah. And a needle going through. I mean, yeah. Like, okay. So like, it's like you've, if you've seen, okay, the the plastic mesh that goes around bottles, like wine bottles. Okay. Kind of yes. like that. It's like that, except way more fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like most, and this is not all, because you can put, sequins themselves are like, sequins is not a fabric, you know? So right. the sequins are the little appliques that goes on top of fabric. So you can have it on different types. Usually it's on some kind of mesh. And so like the more expensive sequins, the nicer sequin fabrics are usually on a very finely um woven mesh yeah um so and they i guess they can be made of different types of materials that make it more or less easier to work with but like most of when i've worked with sequins it's always on some you know close to plasticky type fabric so um i mean that i mean that's what mesh is mesh is not really fancy by any means so that's the expectation which makes it hard because it's like imagine that like i said that bottle uh the bottle mesh like the Material, netting, the yeah. netting that goes around like a bottle, except really finely woven. And then you have sequins sewn on individually, like right. on top of that. So right. it does feel kind of, it doesn't feel like, you know, cotton fabric or, you know, silk or even like, you know, a nice little stretch. It feels like plastic. Yeah. And so I, I get terrified when my needle's going through it because I'm like, it could stop on the sequin. And you're supposed to like take the sequins off for your seam allowance, but... I mean, it's just, it just doesn't feel like fabric. It it seems very complicated to even, like, do like to work with. Like, I, you're explaining it to me. I no longer even want to wear anything <laughs> with sequins as not to, like, inconvenience them with the stress <laughs> of. I mean, they're out there. And, like, you usually have, you know, it'll be layered on top of, like, your lining fabric and yes. that's what your body feels or should feel right um so it's just to look pretty <laughs> which is just not fun to work pretty. with yeah <laughs> all right well okay the podcast is called the blank project because it's an opportunity to fill in this blank space with whatever we need or want wherever we are in life if you could fill this blank space for yourself what would you fill it up with personal professional in between what do I want to fill my blank space with? Oof. It could be anything. Yes, Professional, geez. personal, 2022, here we are, so on and so forth. What do you, you know, you want to spend the rest of the year filling the blank with? Okay. So I guess my blank is going to be, I'm filling it with exposure. Huh. Is that, okay. is that a good one? I mean, it's your <laughs> blank. I can't tell you if it is or not. Or what, like what, 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 but what does exposure mean to you? So I just, you know, brand awareness across the country, across the world. You know, we can start with the country. But, you know, just people knowing about my brand. Um, and I think that kind of just goes back to what I was saying earlier about identifying my target market. Like wanting to know, like, who my consumers are. Because, like, I feel driven to keep doing this and to keep creating, not just for myself, but for some other people out there. And so my blank is like, who? Who is this? You know? And so the way I think about understanding that is just exposure. Like, um, getting my brand in front of as many people as possible um, to see, like, who it resonates with. And, like, to show people my art and understand if there are people that are looking for this art in their life. Is is Jay Alexandra their blank space? Right. Fill <laughs> <laughs> the blank, fill the pockets, fill the dreams and go fill 
your cards. All of it. <laughs> everything. Feel everything. Well, Listen. I do want to say that um, J. Alexandra Brand is near and dear to me because you have helped me shop, kind of find things that fit well to my body, educate me on things that I would not have even thought of. Like, I just really do think everything is the same. And you're just like, <laughs> no, because that's not your body. Like, you, y'all are not built the same, so it's not going to fall the same. Please stop embarrassing yourself out here. And so it's, like, really been a joy to be able to work with you. And I can't wait to help you. ways to be able to continue to be more exposed in oh, 2022. And we can start that off by just running through... All the ways that people can get in contact with you oh, okay. to extend your exposure. So okay. if somebody's like, you know what, J. Alexander, I want to see what she's doing. Yes. Maybe I want to go buy one of her sustainably conscious, really, really cute pieces. <laughs> Where are they going to do that? They can go to my website. It's jalexandradesigns.com. No periods or anything. JAlexanderDesigns.com. Also, my Instagram is now JAlexanderDesigns. That's it. No period, no dash, nothing. It's just JAlexanderDesigns. You can find me. Um, I'm working on my Google search engine optimization. <laughs> but one of those things will come up. My Instagram website, if you put it in, it'll something will come up for me. Um, yeah, that's where... Oh, I'm also on TikTok. I, on TikTok, I like to share, like, if you want to just look at process videos and, like, kind of just understand a little bit about, about clothing construction... Um, that's kind of where I'm focused on with my Twitter and also just showing like my, really just my journey as a designer. So, oh, I'm sorry, TikTok, not Twitter. TikTok, I think it's J. I'm pretty sure J. Alexander Designs on there too. Everything is J. Alexander Designs. Like, that's it. <laughs> Pull up. That's what it is. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you again. No, for thank you. Being a part of the Blend Project family and like continue to educate um, everyone, especially myself in push us to not only like have clothing experiences that make us feel good, but also can make the earth feel good. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much for having me on the Blank Project podcast. I'm so honored. And <laughs> thank you for just being so supportive in my journey. It's been great. Woohoo!